What's up, Western Nation, and welcome in to the Week 9 Matchup Breakdown Part 2. We are going to be breaking down the second half of these games. We're going to get you through every single one, letting you know who you need to sit, start, consider for your lineup this week to help get you to that final playoff push, all that and more on this episode of the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. That's right. Like Johnny said, we're going to be talking about the second half of the NFL slate of matchups for week nine. But if you like fresh daily fantasy football content, make sure you get over to our YouTube channel, the fantasy whispers and give this channel and our videos a like on your way in and subscribe and turn those notifications on. So you get notified every time we go live and we hit the brand with new content. Want to welcome Whisper Nation all the way in. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I am joined by Johnny Game Time Hicks, who you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. I'm also joined by Austin Sear, who you can find on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. And guys, I got to ask the question that's on everybody's mind, and, and the media won't talk about it. And frankly, it, it upsets me. But the problem that I want to point out here, is, or the, actually the question, it's not a problem. This is a great thing, but it's maybe a problem that these foods are seasonal. But I want to know what your favorite seasonal food is. we got the holidays around the corner. It's going to be time to give thanks. And I want to ask each of you, Austin first, then Johnny, what's your favorite seasonal food dish? And that could be an appetizer, could be a main course, could be whatever. Uh, I just, I need to know. This is a two-parter, but they're connected, and it makes sense here. It is Thanksgiving dinner for me, Travi, with mm. my version of the fixins, and that's really going to be the staples here. we got to have turkey gravy. That's number one. Mashed potatoes, number two. Um, and then, actually, I'm a little bit open. I like, I'm like i okay getting creative. We can throw in some green beans. We can throw in some um, different dips. Appetizers. You like the sweet potatoes? I do like the sweet potatoes. And I don't like cranberry sauce on that dish, but I like it for the repackaged version of that. And that is just like when you take all of that stuff and you put it in one sandwich and you put some cranberry sauce right there. Mm. What's, what's that thing called? Like the... It's got a special name. There's like the gobbler, I think it's it called is. my meal at 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a gas station that calls like the gobbler, and they got this special one. There's like this hoagie shop that does something like that. And that's my favorite Thanksgiving meal right there with the turkey, the gravy, the mashed potatoes, maybe some sweet pose, green beans. That also that in hoagie form with mm. cranberry sauce as well. Do you put wow. mayonnaise on that sandwich when you do that sandwich up? Do I honestly, put- I might, or gravy. Okay. I got to have a little oh, bit of I love it. Got to have a little bit of wet to it, right? Yeah. Johnny, what about you, man? What's your favorite seasonal or holiday dish, I'd say? Man, I I have to do a little bailout here. I got to say, I just love the fact candy that... Corn? No, yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not candy corn. I just love the fact that we could enjoy all this, like the heavier food, right? And not be shamed about it. Like, it's like everyone has, everyone knows, oh, the holidays are here, so it's fine. It's like, there's so many great foods that are coming, like chili, love chili. Uh, mm. chicken, homemade chicken noodle soup. You got mashed mm. potatoes. Austin talked about all the, the Thanksgiving meal there. Like all of it's great. There's not one thing that is not good in that whole thing. Like not one, maybe, maybe the cranberry sauce, like Austin likes to say, but if you put it in the right place, I think it's fine. But yeah, all the food is great, man. I love it. I love it. All the food is great. I'm giving thanks for the food that we get this year. I'm also giving thanks for the sponsor of today's show, and that is Manscaped. I'm here to tell you that Manscaped is amazing when it comes to below-the-waist grooming. There's no need to look any further than Manscaped, and our friends over there are going to upgrade your grooming experience. You can join 
two mil over the the over two million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. Once again, if your significant other is nagging you about how much time you put into your fantasy lineup or listen to the fantasy whispers, you might want to gift them the gift of some beautiful balls with Manscaped. All right, gents, we're going to work into the show here in our first uh, our first game is the Las Vegas Raiders visiting the New York football Giants in New York. It's a 47 point over under with the New York Giants. Uh, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders favored by three on the road. Obviously, there's a ton of news that had happened with the Henry Ruggs incident and, uh, you know, the news swirling around him getting released and obviously going to get charged for, you know, what what happens there with the legal system. So there's an outlook we have here, Austin, on what it means for the pass catchers, what it means for fantasy football. And that's the, the focus we're going to have today. We're going to let the, you know, the justice system figure out the, the rest of this. And that's we'll speak on that in another show. But for today, we're talking about what fantasy football implications we have with wall or with rugs out of the lineup. Right. So rugs was averaging only 58 yards in the last four weeks of football. The last month, that's all we saw. And I don't expect these gains to then be out of reach for the remaining pass catching group over there in Las Vegas. And Ruggs wasn't eliciting triple coverage or anything like that. So I don't see a major shift in the way defenses are going to be scheming for the Raiders offense. And I don't see major, major changes. Like no one's going to fill in that Ruggs role. No one has that capability. It's not going to be Edwards. It's not going to be Renfro. I mean, it's not going to be any of the other pass catchers, but I I think they're probably going to be okay. I do expect to see a boost for Renfro, Edwards, and Waller. However, Waller coming back, excited about that. Um, And I'm more curious about Edwards at this point. He had his highest snap percentage last week or last game of action, I should say, at 83% and also caught his first touchdown of the season. You like to see that. I've got some signs here suggesting he's ready to take a step up and now with this added opportunity i am going to be keeping an eye on the aforementioned edwards i'm still not recommending um outside of bye weeks and streaming for hunter renfro um i'm excited to see if he does get any meaningful uptick on this one but it's it's still just not enough it's it's going to be a new system coming up too um i i would consider edwards i'd wait on renfro i am excited to see how this shakes out though renfro's like the forever waiver guy he's always hovering around the amount of percentage owned that you'd pick him up off the waivers but then drop him the next week because he just did a little bit too low i mean that's just who he is we'll see if there's any uptick here i would imagine Carr is going to lean on waller and renfro more but maybe as you said edwards mixes in a little bit more he's an exciting stash to see what happens going forward because this is a very good offense guys and it's led by Derek Carr who has 20 or more fantasy points in five or seven games. The Raiders offense led by Carr and without Gruden has been solid. They are now second in passing yards per game. He is fifth in adjusted completion percentage, sixth in average depth of target and tied with Stafford for the most 300 plus yard games with five on the season. We look at the Giants who Carr is going to face this week and you're wondering if you should stream them. Uh, You know, the Giants are middle of the pack defensively and points allowed to quarterbacks, but they have given up the fourth most passing touchdowns in the season with 15. I can't say I'm not worried about all the outside uh, you know, noise, the tragic rug news being heavy on Carr's mind. You've seen the press conferences with him. How could it not be? But I am pay- I'm playing the numbers here, and I think he has streaming appeal this week. He's definitely on my radar in that 12 through 15 range of guys that I'm looking at to stream this week. But important to the Raiders offense and important to fantasy managers is what we can project out of this backfield because we've kind of seen both of them used prior to the bye week, Johnny. 
we did certainly see both of them use. We thought, hey, maybe there is a little bit of resurrection, right, for Kenyon Drake. But it was more he wasn't getting a, a whole lot of, of opportunities, right? It was kind of, uh, he, he was doing a lot with the few opportunities that he had. And then obviously Josh Jacobs going out with the rib injury or the, um, the injury that he had that pulled him out of the game. Now that they had the buy, he is back at practice. I would expect him to play. And I do expect him to play in this game. And if he is playing, then I'm definitely starting Josh Jacobs. Giants are a great matchup for him. Eighth most fantasy points to running backs. Nearly 900 yards and five touchdowns on the ground surrendered. Uh, so the Raiders have a very juicy matchup. And then when you talk about Kenyon Drake, look, I, I know that he's been producing the last couple of weeks and it's and it looks good. It's a bit of a mirage. He only saw six total touches in the week six when Josh Jacobs was fully healthy and they didn't have John Gruden, um, you know, so it's it, you're looking at that side. Giants are giving up the 10th most receiving yards to running backs. So if you do need a what the heck flex and a dart throw, there could be worse options than Kenyon Drake this week. But again, you don't love the Kenyon Drake start uh, fully. You don't have full confidence in it unless Josh Jacobs is not going. Yeah, the Raiders are so weird to project. We've seen a different head coach. We see players in and out of the lineup, including Josh Jacobs himself, Darren Waller. I mean, it's just really hard to understand who we have. We don't really have an identity other than we know that this team has a lot of passing yards in a game and they've been mm -hmm. kind of good uh, through the air a little bit. So we'll see kind of how that all works out. I, I'm, I'm curious to know if, if either of you have a you know, rest of season kind of take on Josh Jacobs, because if he can stay healthy, you figure that without John Gruden, he's probably got his best shot here. I'm, I'm not, yeah. I mean, would he, do we, do we know? I, for yeah, I, don't, sure? I don't know. Like, is this, why would, like, I thought always thought kind of Gruden was a Jake, Josh Jacobs stand, you know, and I mean, he it, wanted yeah, to start going. Yeah. So something interesting to note, we'll see the bye week and obviously Drake's production has been a little bit up and down. I, I'm not sure just yet on the giant side of the ball. Wanted to talk about the wheel of injured wideouts and who we can play. Um, I, you know, it's, it's just always doing what it does. And in, in, in New York over the past few weeks, we've got Shepard not practicing yet with a quad. We've got Galladay not practicing yet with a knee. Obviously, uh, Darius Slayton was a guy we were talking about last week when heading into that Chiefs game, was leading the Giants in targets two weeks ago, and then in relief he got zero catches on two targets. Uh, so really not a recommended start here. But I think the fantasy football industry is not wrong in this hype that we have on Kadarius Tony. It's not just the monster week five performance that we're chasing. Something special is brewing here with Tony. He is now in very he has now in very limited snaps in the last month a very exciting resume. He ranks 15th in the league in targets per snap share with 17%. He is currently 18th in targets per route run rate with 27% and 12th in yards per route run with 2.86 or 6.8, sorry. And all this is just, just to say that I think these metrics are showing that when he's on the field, he's doing special things and they're going to him. I think the bad injury luck have been robbing us a bit of something special. And I think, you know, that was me. I, initially, I thought, okay, this is too much hype. This is what the industry does. It's a rookie. They do this. But these metrics are really showing me that he's, you know, 
rising above when he gets the opportunity. So I kind of do like what I'm seeing out of Tony. He's dealing with the laceration on his hand after missing a couple weeks with the ankle as well. But if he suits up for this one, he will face a Raiders defense that has been bottom half in points allowed. But the usage indicates matchup may not matter for this team starving for playmaking ability. For me, he appears to be a wide receiver two slash three with weak winning upside when he's healthy and on the field. And I think that's what we can bank on. So it's kind of like the we used to do with Jordan Reed. And I don't want to put Jordan Reed's bad juju on him. But when Jordan <laughs> Reed went, we were playing Jordan Reed because of the way they used him. I think it's similar with that. And Tony, if we can get him on the field, we know they go to him. Um, and that's because <clears throat> Daniel Jones seems to kind of lock onto him a bit when he's in there. But speaking of Daniel Jones, where is our level of trust with Daniel Jones? He hasn't been overwhelmingly good since the injuries have hit the, the wide receiver core. Uh, but in this matchup, what do you think, uh, John or Austin? Back-end streamer for me with Daniel Jones. Las Vegas stacks better than middle of the pack for quarterback points allowed. And his weapons, as you just went down through, are so banged up and also inconsistent. There are reasons to be excited for upcoming seasons if they keep this wide receiver core together. It's actually, like, pretty sexy. Uh, But there hasn't been the opportunity to develop any rapport amongst them collectively. The NFL... I mean, look, look, in the NFL, the margins are just so thin. Extreme talent is not going to be enough to get you over the competition. You do need to have coordinated precision as well as extreme abilities. And I don't know if the Giants have either of those right now. Yeah, and they're trying to get back Saquon Barkley. We're not sure if he's going to get back. We know that he's off the COVID list now, um, but he's still got the ankle. If he goes, we're, we're, you know, getting him out there. What about if... If he doesn't go, we're firing up Booker. It's kind of the same thing, right, Johnny? No, I mean they're yeah. not the same thing, but I mean Booker's the- been Booker's been actually very serviceable. Uh RB fifteen, RB twenty four, RB seventeen, RB fourteen, and the absence of Saquon. So I, I think that you have all the confidence as a top seven matchup for running backs. So you're firing up uh, whatever running back they end up throwing back there. I like it. I like it. Make your contingency plans accordingly. Mm -hmm. Our next game is the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a 50.5 over under with the Chargers favored by only one on the road here after a couple of bad games. Speaking of those bad games before and after their bye week, I want to ask Austin, are we beginning to panic on Justin Herbert here? I'm not panicking. I'm not as stoked as I was after his 50 burger or anything. But, you know, last week I was privileged to talk about Justin Herbert again. And I said him going up against the Patriots. I was looking at a two to three hundred yard game with, you know, two touchdowns around there. He finished with 223 yards, two touchdowns. He did have two interceptions as well. Um, This week he plays the Eagles, who have actually let up less points to quarterbacks than the Patriots have. Six fewest points in the league. Patriots there with the eighth fewest points. So it's not a It's not an amazing matchup or anything, but I am going to keep him in my lineup if I've been starting him the majority of the season. New England applies the fifth most amount of pressure to quarterbacks. Eagles apply the second most amount of pressure for quarterbacks. So again, uh, temper these expectations, though, as Herbert ranks number 12 against pressure. There is some room for influence, it looks like. I do expect a better game than last week based on the spread and bounce back nature, but really not by much and if you were rostering two quarterbacks along with justin herbert i would be putting serious consideration into that other quarterback but i wouldn't i wouldn't go get super cute and you know start like a i wouldn't start like teddy bridgewater or something of that nature over justin herbert this week let me ask you the what if you had Taysom hill off waivers this week and he gets the start for new orleans are we firing up the upside of Taysom hill over our concern for justin herbert's down games 
Are you 100% that Taysom Hill is going to be the one? If, that, if, if they name him the starter, I guess. You're never probably going to know 100%, but... I wouldn't do it over Hill no matter what they said. I'd have to wait and see what the New England Patriots actually did. But that's just because it's such a unique situation where we have got a quarterback who's more of a running back, but then he's also a quarterback if the other guy's gone. Yeah, so it's a little strange. Yeah. yeah, the upside's there, but the floor is so low. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I wanted to talk about the receivers because, as Austin was pointing out with Herbert, kind of had these couple down games through that. You know, if you looked at this in the first month of the season, we are fired up about our team and the Chargers and the offense that's going on there. But only Keenan Allen really has remained the must start. We have some troubling situation we have to look at with Mike Williams and his consistency. We'll start with Allen, tied for eighth in targets, 10 more than in uh, 10 or more in every game this year, 75 or more receiving yards and four of seven this year. And fourth, this one was a big one for me. He's fourth in red zone targets in the NFL right now with 12. So that's a big one for Keenan Allen, who hasn't always been a touchdown guy here. We look at big Mike Williams, BMW. He started the season averaging double digit targets in his first three and now has only seen 10 uh, over his few uh, over his last two games, only ten total targets in two games. As Herbert, as Herbert has struggled here, also so as Williams, and we're seeing the ceiling of this passing attack and Big Mike Williams come down. We are seeing his floor be less than five points in each of the last two games. So really, it's a, a situation where he's not the mega auto start here. It seems, uh, you know, wild given how many points BMW has been, uh, you know, and how high he's been at times here. But we are getting close to benching him in tough matchups now because of that's what we've seen in tough matchups against Baltimore and New England that he did not do well. Allen is, of course, locked in to your lineup with steady volume. But can we trust BMW in this matchup against P- Philly? PFF ranks their pass defense 18th in the NFL, and they have allowed the third fewest points per game to wide receivers. I think I'm still just so tempted to roll BMW out this weekend. I have faith in his talent and this offense top to bottom. I have faith that they will get right. It, it falls on us. You know, if it fails, it's a lesson learned here. I think this is the last time I'll do it, but that's just a personal take. I understand if you look at these numbers and you go with your gut and you say, I'm, I'm benching him here, um, but that's kind of where I would go out there. I just want to speak quickly, Johnny, on Austin Eckler. We saw the hip injury. He was you know, going to be this game-time decision. Then uh, he played, and he was a, a huge for uh, you know fantasy GMs. But are we concerned about the hip, and is that talking you into maybe selling Austin Eckler? I am a little concerned with the hip, right? Uh, never like when your running back is dealing with any kind of leg issues. But again, what's nice about Austin Eckler, and it's a little bit of a different situation than most running backs, is that Austin Eckler plays fantasy football and he loves fantasy football and he has himself in fantasy football. So what's very nice and very telling is he'll tell you himself whether or not he's going to play this weekend. Last weekend, there was some doubt. We were able to see uh, his lineup. <clears throat> which he had himself starting on, uh, I believe he tweeted out on Friday or Saturday. I think it was Saturday. So that is what's nice about Austin Eckler. I still think that he is a really good running back moving forward. Uh, I don't know exactly the severity. I have to do a little bit more research on that aspect. So uh, apologies on that part of it. I don't know exactly how severe, but considering he came back and played, and, and played well, I think he's okay. And this matchup against the Eagles, top five matchup for running back. So you're definitely putting him in your lineup if he's going. On the Eagles' side of the football, speaking of running backs, we're trying to make sense of this backfield while Miles My- Sanders is out, and we've seen a bunch of different faces, Austin. Do you have an idea of who will be the guy we can trust in these few weeks with Sanders out? 
Who I, does I, number two work for? <laughs> I, you hope you have the number two yeah. of the Eagles, and he's working yeah. for you because Sanders is gone. And I got to say, yeah, do you ask me, do I have an idea? I do have an idea, but prefacing it with easy come, easy go. And that's what we're looking at in this entire situation right now. Scott and Howard both had 12 carries last week for similar yardage totals. Boston Scott there with 60, uh, Jordan Howard with 57, both had two touchdowns, both statted well per pro football focuses rushing grades for that single game. Scott was number 11 on the week. Jordan Howard, though, number eight, three spots better there. And if I had to start one, I'm going to go with Scott. I have him in our league of record and I do have him starting. But if you're also asking me right now who I'd be starting of these two in two weeks, I'm going to go actually with Jordan Howard. I was really impressed with how well Jordan Howard came out after less than a week of practice and not even being on a team prior to that. Boston Scott has been with this offense the entire season and plus, and he barely, if at all, outperformed Jordan Howard. Um, I think Jordan Howard has a real shot to become the guy before Miles Sanders is returned, but that return is happening. So all of this hubbub is just likely temporary anyways. Yeah, it's a it's a rental, but it's 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 fun to try and figure out if we can piece together a couple rental, you know, vehicles out of, if you will, out of these, you out have of these to. running backs. Yeah, well, you I definitely have to. Have to. Well, yo, I mean, the industry has to. Everybody who plays has to because running back is so so thin right now. Any, um, I mean, well, I'll get into it because in just a second. Go ahead. What? <laughs> well, I I'm just saying like. Last week was they played Detroit Lions. Right. How often they're not going to be able to run for four rushing touchdowns? Yeah, that's uh, that's good. so. Yeah, I mean that you're right. Like that's definitely part of the narrative here that we have. We have Jordan Howard with familiarity with the Eagles actually too, and and similar running schemes. Obviously, different coaching staff then. Boston mm-hmm. Scott in relief of Miles Sanders last year, and that playing a factor. And then Kenneth Gainwell, who showed us flashes early in the year of good receiving prowess, as somebody that maybe they might bump up, and they never just look to go elsewhere they picked up jordan howard and used him off the street so go go for it i think i wanted to bring up with this one though it's like they they was against the lions which is true but we were a close game away from saying our eagles a bottom barrel kind of team you know and because they blew them out in such fashion i think we go back to the familiar narrative that we've been spinning of like this is a powerful offense that just has no idea what it's doing yet this is an inexperienced coaching staff that's making a lot of mistakes, but we know that the potential is there to be like a primo type of offense, not just for fantasy, but even in the NFL. So they're kind yeah, of they definitely have pieces. It's just the consistency has been lacking for sure. They show, showed up in quarters against the Chiefs. They showed up a little bit, uh, you know, and then they they boat raced the, the Lions. So we just don't really know who they I guess are. Do you think they learned anything from this or it was just a fluke? Uh, assuming rational coaching with a guy who plays rock, paper, scissors with his players, because that's how he decided. I don't, I don't really know, but we'll ask the question along the lines of four touchdowns against Detroit, uh, Johnny. And if we think that we can just chalk that up to Hertz's one bad day on the year. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, he might have another one like this, but again, how often are the Eagles going to be able to run four touchdowns in and have a comfortable lead in games? And it's not very many, uh, their remaining schedules, against teams that that probably won't have they won't have that opportunity so that's why i do think hurts is fine moving forward uh this is a difficult matchup so temporary expectations the charger actually bottom four in points against the running back position even uh scrambling running backs they've been fairly stout but uh you're still rolling hurts out there because he has that really nice johnny just calling him a running back won't even give him the quarterback designation (laughs) dude i won't 
Yeah, no, uh, I I think that's a fair point there. And it might be a big rushing day, though, for Jalen Hurts if it, they're so good on the outside protecting him. And it's part of the reason why mm-hmm. I can't get behind Devonta Smith here. He's been struggling coming into this game because he's been up and down. Um, he's flashed the makings of a really good NFL wide receiver. Three games with six or more catches and 70 plus yards. He also has shown a pretty dangerous floor with five or fewer PPR points in four other games. This is the inconsistent we inconsistency we usually expect from rookie wide receivers, although there's been great ones over the last few years. Smith is the only recommended start, though, because we see Watts, Watt, Watkins and Rieger have been even more inconsistent um, because he has six more targets than the both of them combined. So he is the valve in the wide receiver room. He's the only guy that, you know, our guy Jalen Hurts is looking for. Um, this is the matchup to fade the rookie, though. He faces the Chargers D that's given up the second fewest points to receivers all season. Meanwhile, we've got Goddard we got to talk about because he remains a tight end in your lineup. 12 or more PPR points in back-to-back weeks without Zach Ertz. So we're continuing to roll Goddard out in our lineup off of pure usage alone. All right, we're moving on to a game that really just hurts my heart. The Green Bay Packers are visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a 54.5 point over under, and now Kansas City is favored by about 7.5 because our guy Aaron Rodgers got COVID and uh, looks to be unvaccinated and looks to have told people he was and looks to have tried to fight with the NFL about alternative medicine. And uh, who knows? But we know that we won't have Aaron Rodgers in this game. And we know that we're looking to get Devontae Adams back. So that being said, I'll go, I'll save the the wide receiver outlook, the pass catcher outlook for, for a little bit after this. I want to talk about what I, I imagine Austin is going to be the way that the Green Bay is going to try and attack Kansas City. It's similar to the way they, the way they attacked Arizona, which was a running game led by flash and bang with A.J. Uh, Dillon and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones first, sorry, and then A.J. Dillon. <laughs> Thunder and lightning, as Johnny yeah. framed it last week. And why do we call it thunder and lightning? Should it be lightning and thunder? Because the thunder always follows yeah. the lightning. But we'll discuss at another point in time at the Meteorological Podcast. That because we also the thunder do. is usually the bigger back and the lightning is the scat back. It's usually and usually get the thunder in football games before you I'm get really aware but that 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 little turn of phrase didn't originate just in football either i don't know i don't know i think I, it did i think i think it, we it think was originated because of football well i very well might have been last week's performance between aaron jones and aj dillon certainly inspired that line of thinking on the narrative of thunder and lightning so travi do we like aj dillon here as a flex i actually do and i am probably going to be playing aj dillon as my flex option in our league of record that's how much i like him where i have aaron jones and aj dillon currently i have jacoby myers in as my flex but that's only because he's predicted by sleeper to have more points and i like to see my team with the green bar for the predictions not the red bar suggesting i'm going to lose but i'm going to put aj dillon there in that flex spot because last week without adams resulted in a more rush heavy offense from the packers not as much of that passing led offense and we saw aj dillon there out carry aaron jones by one with his season high carry mark of 16 or 16 Hmm. for yeah pulled 78 yards there on those carries and there were some tough carries in there important carries that he really had to square up against the defense to get over that first down marker kansas city's offense has not been the same this season and i think there is room to control the game for green bay even with jordan love here but it'll be through the run game if they're able to do that and i think that's what they want to go for so it's going to take both backs to be able to do that aaron jones and 
A.J. Dillon. And I, I do think uh, for A.J. Dillon, he's closer to the sneaky flex play versus mm. the less desperate flex yeah. play. We're moving up on our flex plays here. If soon he'll be a what-the-heck flex. Well, actually, I think that might be lower. But yeah. either way, we are confident in A.J. Dillon. And I, I agree with you, Austin. I think this is a good spot to play him because they're going to want to play tempo and control and all those things. And I got to think that this team is riding high after – well, maybe not riding high emotionally with Rodgers out. But we have – a blueprint of them just beating the Cardinals by running and playing good defense. And so if that's what they can try and lean on in this game, then maybe <clears throat> there's a, a way they keep it close enough for, for these players to go. And I've seen all the panic on Twitter and in our DMs about uh, Devontae Adams. I'm here to quell just a little bit of that panic because a lot has changed since 2017 as far as coaching staff and offensive system in Green Bay. But four years ago, Rodgers missed time with a broken collarbone. And in six games prior to Rodgers' return in week 15 of that year, Adams posted the eighth most targets, was the wide receiver five in PPR scoring, and that was with Brent Hundley as quarterback. This isn't to say that Adams is a lock with the, Ricky, uh, the risky rookie Jordan Love, but it is a reminder that we can't immediately assume the worst either with studs. And like 17 should stay in our lineup until we get enough information to change that opinion over the next couple of weeks should this last that long. The courtesy is not extended, however, for any other ancillary pieces in Green Bay at the pass catcher position for me. Um, I, I want to be excited about other pieces, MVS coming back, Alan Lazard hopefully coming back, but it's not a game to trust them in your lineup with love getting the start here. Moving on, because I don't think any of us in any kind of deep league are going to be considering Jordan Love, we'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, and the, the, the item that got Johnny so on tilt on our Monday night live stream, Daryl Williams gets a friend in Derek Gore on Monday night. And now it's got to, I got to ask you, Johnny, how are the two going to play together this week? Well, there's no friendship there. There's no friendship. No, none at all. Uh, it's just love lost. That's all it is, okay? And listen, I, I was. I was on full tilt. You probably saw it if you tuned into the Monday night show. If you didn't, you can go back and watch it on YouTube or tune into this Monday night live stream. Should be another fun one. But in this one, Daryl Williams, yes, like you said, got vultured by a guy we didn't even. And listen, we know a lot of football players. There are a lot of football players that we know, third, fourth string. I we never even heard of this guy before. But he comes in and he vultures a touchdown, sends me and the rest of fantasy community on full tilt. But I have I have a little bit of breath of of relief, a sigh of relief for all those people who have Daryl. You're gonna keep starting him. You're gonna start him in this matchup because the matchup dictates that one. Why? Well, that's because Green Bay giving up 900 yards total and 10 touchdowns on the season to running backs, and then you know there's the concern for Daryl. He he lost snaps. He didn't get the goal line. He's getting vultured. Well, here's where I'm gonna call me a little bit. It just so happened that the Derek Gore touchdown drive was the goal, was the drive that they scored a touchdown. They had the, one of the better drives of the night, and Gore just so happened to be the running back on that drive. He never came out. So that is why he was able to vulture that touchdown. If Williams would have been in on that drive, Williams would have gotten that touchdown. So that's what we can look forward to moving forward. You were looking, if you look at the snap share and the touches, Daryl end up finishing the night just like he had the previous games without CEH there. So I do think in reality, Gore showed enough that he could possibly take over the McKinnon role. But again, not enough to throw him in my lineup right now. I'm only trusting Daryl Williams, and I think that he'll uh, be a solid RB2 
for you. And then if he gets the touchdown, he could be an RB one. Solid is not what we've seen. I out of silenced Patrick you Mahomes. guys. That's how much you guys are. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but sorry, I, I'm not allowed to be silent here, but I, I have to speak up a little <laughs> bit about Patrick Mahomes here because he has just about 21 fantasy points total over his last two games. So Austin, are we looking to trade away Patrick Mahomes? Are we looking to maybe stream over Patrick Mahomes? I don't think we're there yet, but like how much more do we need to see? Like, where are we at here? The trade proposition is interesting because he's not hands down the best quarterback that you could be starting. I feel comfortable saying that at this point in certain weeks, he will be, I, th I think that's still in his future, but it's not, it's, it's not a lock to say that Patrick Mahomes is the best start of the week, even in a decent matchup. If somebody else who's hot right now is an even better matchup, you know what I mean? Now name value also does not produce points. And Patrick Mahomes in pro football focuses passing grades is behind Daniel Jones and Geno Smith. Oh, at number oh, 25 God season right now. Yeah. Doing a dirty. We know the arm talent is there. Even if others have started to suggest they've been watching Patrick Mahomes film and they're saying, look at me too. No, but Patrick Mahomes, his arm talent is there. Uh, but this offense just has not been clicking. I do expect an uptick, but predicting when that's going to happen without a signal is going to be tough. And one I'm not going to like pretend I have a, a clue about, I did not get a signal in last week's tight New York giants matchup that this offense is on and up. In fact, the suggestion was to the contrary. I would consider starting someone else over Mahomes, but probably not a waiver wire quarterback, unless somebody's on the waiver wire that probably shouldn't be on the waiver wire. You know what I mean? A quarterback that that's good and just hasn't been picked up. Um, but he's starting to look like now, maybe how we were thinking about Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the year, like a matchup based play with upside, but give it some consideration and looking at the defense he's going up against. Yeah. It's, it's rough looking right now. We're hoping we keep asking for this turnaround, but it, it's been three weeks now where we're like, okay, where the heck is it at? So we'll look at, Tyreek Hill, obviously, and Travis Kelsey, who are the weapons, and say, okay, can they survive the dip in Patrick Mahomes here? And it looks like, for the most part, yes, they can. Like Tyreek Hill, despite the recent heightened struggles for Mahomes over the last three weeks, Hill has remained a top three wide receiver in PPR, and averaging over 20 PPR points per game and demanding 40 targets over the last three weeks. So you love the narrowness of that target tree. No concerns at all for Reek, despite the overall woes of this typically dominant offense. So we look at Nicole Hardman. Obviously, we un understand that, you know, trickle down would mean that he would not be doing well. And that is the case has failed to top 75 yards or score a touchdown in all but one game this year. And then finally, Travis Kelsey, because I know, you know, he got Johnny on, on Monday night really upset and other Travis Kelsey GMs other upset because he only got 27 yards and he fumbled on his way to four points. Kelsey still remains the tight end one, though, and he has 17 more points than the tight end two, Mark Andrews. Just to show you how there is the Travis Kelsey tier, and then there is everyone else at tight end, and that should remain the case. So what well, you're we're saying is trickle-down fantasy economics does right. not work. That's right. Not for everybody else, not named Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey in this offense. We're moving on from a game where our Packers are big underdogs to underdog fantasy, which I want to let Whisper Nation know about here. Underdog fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over-under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and so much more. We will be helping you build the best bet slips each and every week just by listening to us, checking out our live shows. And if you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app now, you're going to get 100% off the deposit or you're going to get 100% of a deposit match 
for up to $100 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for $100. All right, moving on to a divisional battle for the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers are hosting the Arizona Cardinals in a 45-point over-under. This is essentially a pick I've seen the line is also Arizona favored by one. So there's a, uh, a situation here with Kyler Murray, right, and his ankle, and we're wondering if he will play. Given the practice work so far and the Vegas line putting at one or fewer point, point margin, I'm not sure he does play because I think that they would be – much more favorites would, in this game considering would you take that that line if it was one porn if it was one <laughs> porn uh, from vegas would you take the line I, I try to stay i try to stay away man <laughs> try to stay away it's hard um so kyler murray here if he goes like i'm gonna be trusting him because i would trust that he knows i you know austin was saying this yesterday about dak if dak goes then we trust that dak knows his body and dak would you know be in the lineup i'm gonna assume the same for kyler murray i would understand that i'm going to temper expectations because maybe the ankle could hamper him and he would have a lower end qb1 output because san fran san fran remains a top five defense in points allowed to qbs but it is worth noting that they also kept, held Kyler to only 11 points in week five. So I don't think you're benching Kyler, even if he goes. I, I, I don't know if he goes, but we'll figure that out. I want to talk about the ripple effect it would have. And also, we have A.J. Green missing this game and potentially Hopkins, too. We've got to monitor that. Are we upgrading Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz, Christian Kirk shares here? Austin, is that where we're looking at with our pass catchers? Absolutely. I am. This team just doesn't have the luxury that Green Bay does, the team we just spoke about, in that, look, Chase Edmonds and James Conner, they're fine, but they can't carry the offense without a respected passing attack. They're just not those dudes. They're going to need that help. They're going to need the defense to stay honest. And so the air raid marches on, baby. Kirk, Moore, and Ertz are all playmakers. That's a benefit that Arizona has that Green Bay simply does not. If they lose their top-level pass catchers, their playmakers are gone. They can carry with the run game, which is inverse there for Arizona, where they do have a really nice staple of playmakers at the pass-catching positions. Just simply blessed. And I would love watching these young wide receivers and resurging tight end do what they can with this added opportunity. Hopkins receives 22.5% of the target share. A.J. Green is number two in this offense with 18%. That would be a lot of work to distribute across those playmakers, and they've all shown us this season what they can do. I'm ex- I'm, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm definitely fired up for this offense too, but I'm hoping we get Kyler in there and then figure it out from there, but we'll understand. I mean, it is a long season, obviously. We'll figure that out. Edmonds is also another one that's kind of got a little bit of an injury going on. He's had it for a few weeks now, the shoulder. And I want to know how that's going to affect him if he plays, Johnny, if you've got a feel on if he plays, and then how that would affect him and Connor's outlook here. He was limited again today at practice, so we will continue to monitor this throughout the week. But it doesn't seem that it's going to hold him out. And he came back in the game after getting that stinger. You know, it did look very serious, like they were talking about on on the TV. If you're watching it live, uh, landed on it. It looked like it could have been a potentially broken collarbone uh, initially, but it wasn't, thankfully. And so it does look like Chase will be able to give it a go in this game and if he does i am playing him listen i i do expect it to i I expect kyler to sit in this game so i think this will be a heavier run game uh for a game plan for the arizona cardinals and what's very interesting is we we talked about the air raid right we brought that up 
that is in part of why their run game is so successful is because they actually use those screenplays as their quote unquote in their playbooks, the run plays to them, right? Those quick screenplays and outs to Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk. They're behind the line of scrimmage and to and in the air raid system that counts as good as a running back rush because you're getting about the same amount of yardage. So that helps them be productive in this uh, in this run game because they're able to keep defenders out of the box and that allows Chase Edmonds to really take advantage. So uh, he has been uh, really good at the check down and in PPR. He has been four or more targets in. Uh, all but one game this season, and he's slowly gaining the snap share. Now, with that said, all of that, it could go for nothing because if he ends up sitting, then James Conner comes in. Uh, James Conner is a touchdown vulture and touchdown dependent. But if Chase is not in this game, I, f- I expect him to get you know most of the work there, and he would be an auto start for me even in this week because of you know the situation and me expecting Kyler to sit. I still think that James Conner is a flex play for you. Let me ask you guys this. You're both both Arizona Cardinals fans. What do we prefer here? They're coming off the loss. We don't want two losses in a row. It is a divisional matchup, but the Niners mm-hmm. aren't who they used to be. Do we want our players like Kyler and Chase and DeAndre Hopkins to push to play? Or are we trying to bench them, hope they rest, and then see them, just as a fan experience here, see them try to just gut it out against San Fran without those guys? I want him to gut it out without him. I want. I. I would like to see Hopkins injured and not putting himself into games whenever he feels like it. Uh, and and then you know talk about Ky- Kyler is Kyler is this offense. And if there is a team, especially in our division, where we could sit Kyler and throw McCoy out there and look, I, I'm not saying Colt McCoy is the greatest you know thing since sliced bread. But I do feel like he has enough competency and enough, you know, games under his belt where he could pull out a win, like an ugly win like this for the Cardinals. And then, like you said, we get that extra break for Kyler. Well, that's that sums it up there. I'm excited to see how this game plays out here. And then we look at the San Francisco side of the football. And really, we saw this week, obviously, Jeff Wilson activated off of or well, he was his practice window opened up here with Mitchell coming in dinged up. I think he's expected to practice today. I don't know if that report's officially come out yet. What are we looking at with Mitchell? And then if he doesn't go the backfield behind him, hopefully Mitchell goes again. If Mitchell is playing at all, even if he comes in questionable and ends up playing, I'm still playing Mitchell. I, I don't mind the matchup right now against Arizona. It's not the greatest matchup, not the worst, but we have seen Mitchell produce in this offense. He is one of the best waiver wire pickups you could have had all year. So definitely like Mitchell if he does give it a go. If he doesn't, I expect Jermichael Hasty to actually fill in for Mitchell. So he would be the guy I would go to the waiver wire and look for for this week immediate. And then, yeah, obviously monitor, like Travis said, Jeff Wilson coming off of that IR I, it wouldn't put it, put it past, so you've really got to monitor this on Saturday night, okay? I know it's a, a little bit more extra, but you know we'll also do our work here to try to get the word out if it happens. But Saturday night is a big day for teams to bring up players right before the, the game because then defenses don't really have time to game script. So that's when you need to keep an eye on for Jeff Wilson if he gets activated. If he does and Mitchell is out, then I am playing, I would play Jeff Wilson, but I don't expect that scenario to happen. Uh, I would expect it to be the Mitchell and uh, Hasty show. And then Sermon is just. 
Sermon this game's down. got some real like fortune teller vibes to it. We've got to try and figure out who's going to, what pieces are going to be in, you know, come and see Zoltair for your yeah. hand reading here. It's just, What's it's behind really, the, the curtain Oz. And that doesn't really like change with even the pass catchers for uh, San Francisco either. And I'll start with Debo Samuel here because he's just been so dominant. The wide receiver three in points per game. Debo just will not quit. He's the wide receiver one in target share for his team. 36% of the target share. He ranks second in receiving yards and he's number one in yards after the catch. That's not a surprise. He's always kind of been a yak monster. We look at Brandon Ayuk. It was an amazing game for Ayuk last week. He got over 10 fantasy PPR points, but for the first time all year, um, he you know was not completely buried by this offense and Jimmy G and Debo and the gang. Uh, here, here's the here's the here's the bottom line with Ayuk. He actually saw season highs in targets, catches, and yardage, receiving yardage in this game. So I I don't really want to recommend starting him unless Debo started. Now this is something to note. Debo started the week on the bicycle. He's dealing with the calf injury. He played through it last week and obviously dominated still. So if he goes, I, I don't think I'm going to play Ayuk. But if he doesn't go, then I think Ayuk becomes interesting here. We know that Cardinals are middle of the road, but it doesn't seem to matter for this offense because the market share would probably dictate that it goes a lot to Debo Samuel or Ayuk, depending on that. That's just my official take. I would start Debo, obviously, and if Debo doesn't go, I would be interested in starting Ayuk, I think, in the flex wide receiver 2-3 range. Austin, we've got to make a, a judgment call here on Kittle. Obviously, that Saturday, as Austin said, is or as Johnny said, is a, is a day to watch to see what happens. They've opened up Kittle's window here. He's expected to practice this week. But where would your confidence level be in starting him and then kind of moving forward with the elite tight end? Yeah, so on Wednesday, Coach Kyle Shanahan said that the 49ers are going to reintegrate Kittle slowly with that real test to happen at Thursday's session, which is which is upcoming here. Um, also, they're not counting on it 100%. So again, you know, we're monitoring these, these moments here before Sunday. Um, ultimately, though, this is a binary decision. If he's active, do you play him? I personally do not. Arizona is the best defense against tight ends in 2021, and a questionable return means there are either medical or conditioning or both items to monitor with Kittle does not add a tailwind to this already tough climb he's got going up against the Cardinals defense. Love kill coming back. Um, but if he does, I'd keep rolling with whatever contingency plan you've been rolling with since Kittle began. Uh, not sure. I, I love this call because earlier in the week, I kind of questioned this call because I was like, Hey man, he's back. If he's back, we got to put him in our lineup. And that's the feeling, right? But on this same show last week, we kind of said the same thing about Gronk, like coming back, but coming back against a very tough matchup in new Orleans. I'm not trying to take a victory lap on injuries, but as Austin said, if you have contingency plans in place, you already have someone you can pivot to. So why not pivot? See your boy Kittle, get out there, do some decent work, come out the other end healthy, and then look to go forward from there. We're going to go forward with our matchup in the Sunday night football primetime game. But before we do, got to let you know that if you want fresh fantasy football content on the daily, hit that subscribe button over on our YouTube channel and help us grow past over the 2,100 subscriber mark. We are trying to hit that mark as we push forward throughout the fantasy football season. So make sure if you're watching on Patreon, you smash that subscribe button over on YouTube. All right. So the Rams are hosting Tennessee on the Sunday night football game. This is a 53 and a half point over under with now the Rams favored by seven and a half after the Derrick Henry news. I mean, this line jumped from three, I think, to seven and a half. Obviously, that makes sense, given who Derrick Henry is. When we look at that, uh, we want to kind of break down the backfield here. But before I do, 
I want to talk a little bit about AJ Brown because he's been on a tear. And if Julio is healthy, I want to know really what we do then. We obviously are still starting AJ Brown, but can we make a case, Austin, for getting Julio in our lineup? I think it makes a sense with uh, with both of these wide receivers uh, that they're going to be taking steps up with Henry's absence. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about it with stepmom Lauren earlier. I just don't think you're going to be able to provide a one for one or even a 0.6 for one replacement mm. for Derrick Henry with Adrian Peterson. Uh, coming how dare you disgrace AP's name like that? I hope I'm get by saying 60% of the best running back in football. for I know. That would be I, enough. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I hope that, well, that would be, I hope that would be there. And so I think that AJ Brown here moves actually kind of into this elite category because mm. they're going to, I think if they're smart and I think Brable isn't dumb, um, but then again, I saw the way his kids were dressed and performing during the draft. <laughs> so who knows? But no, I love Mike Vrabel. I do. I think that's amazing. And um, I, I think it just makes the most sense for Ryan Tannehill and this Tennessee Titans team to be going with a more pass heavy attack. They got amazing weapons like Tannehill's good enough to get the job done. And I think that really elevates a- A.J. Brown, um, but also Julio Jones. Like I haven't been on Julio Jones since preseason, like just since the hype. And it was exciting to think about. Um, But I think he's starting to become flexible. This is obviously dependent upon his hamstring. Um, But if, if Julio Jones is in and we do have some confidence that he's healthy enough to finish the game, I'm really enjoying Julio Jones the rest of season, but I need to get some confident news coming in before I'm doing that hamstrings, especially when you're on the other side of 30, for anybody, although if you're a football player, hamstrings are brutal. You re-aggravate them all the time. They take longer to heal from than we give them credit for. We see setbacks happen all up and down, left and right. So once I have some confidence that Julio is there, I think this passing attack, if I just had to take a hypothesis right now, I think it should step up. That could be off. They could just say, nope, we're going AP and we're a run-heavy team, and now we're just going to lose games, I guess. Fine. It's, it's, it was kind of the the theory when we were looking at this offense or when we were looking at the waiver wire this week, it's like, how do we peg this team? They're either going to try to cling to their identity with Derrick Henry because they're the number one rushing attempt team, or they're going to try and pass a little bit more. So Johnny, when we look at this game against the Rams up and down secondary, they have talent in the secondary, but teams tend to throw a lot on them because they're coming back. Are we seeing an uptick here for Ryan Tannehill enough to trust as a streamer this week? So this week, it may be a little bit difficult to get a get a real nice gauge as to where we expect Ryan Tannehill to be rest of season, right? When you're looking at this individual matchup against the Rams, Rams are giving up the fourth most passing yards, so that does bode well for Ryan Tannehill, but they're not particularly uh, super great at giving up fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. But like you said, no more Derrick Henry, so that at least should spell that there should be an uptick in at least slight, like even if it's, even if it's, they want to go with the somewhat same game plan that they have with Derrick Henry, you're still kind of similar to Austin saying, you know, you're going to get 0.6 of what, of Derrick Henry. It's kind of like, you're, you're not going to get, I mean, we got to be honest. Like they were, they were averaging like 30 rushing attempts a game. You're not going to do that when you have AP and Jeremy mm. McNichols, right? So I, I do think that will come down. And as a result, that would be, indicate, you know, like they're not just going to sit on the ball on those extra couple of snaps. I would, in, I would think that Tannehill would then throw a couple more times. And what could that do? That could bode well for his fantasy value right now. He's a, a fringe startable quarterback, but I do think ultimately, and you, you mentioned stepmom Lauren talking about it being on the show uh 
when you have a guy who we know is Ryan Tannehill uses his wheels, he likes to keep it. And, and that was like a part of the reason why Derrick Henry could get vultured at the, at the uh, red area. Well, now that's more, even more so. So I do think that yes, Ryan Tannehill, long story short, I'm sorry about that, but long story short, I do think he could be a, what the heck flex a quarterback situation if you need. Um, and I think that better days are ahead. Yeah, it's almost like he's a he's a hold, but I don't know if you're going to be able to hold him through this matchup. That's a, that's the weird thing because you see, you know, the pass defense for the Rams ranked 12th in per pro football focus. This is not a great spot for Tannehill to kind of unveil the new identity of the Titans. I want to talk about the most important question we've had for the Titans all week long. Who is the guy? Is it AP? Is it Jeremy McNichols? Uh, will you know? Will it be Donta Foreman? I I to me, I think boy. it's as simple as AP is a fit for this offense as a hard runner whose body has thus far kind of stood the test of time so over the last two years ap has handled 13 or more carries in 14 separate games with the lions and washington football team and in those games he averaged just under 10 points per game in ppr no team has averaged more rushing yards attempt uh, rushing attempts this year than tennessee so far now part of that thinking is well they had derrick henry obviously as or as johnny said but it's interesting to note that we should want to invest in that pie right well, let's take a look at Jeremy, Mc, Jeremy McNichols, right? The other back that's in question here. Seven total carries on the season. He has shown receiving chops, though, catching 21 of 27 targets on the season for 203 yards and a touchdown. Most notable, though, for me is that despite Derrick Henry here being in this offense and McNichols only playing above 36% of the team snaps in one game this year, he's 14th in the NFL in targets among running backs. So that's something to notice. Like if we're going to say this offense passes more then in PPR, McNichols is probably the pickup and AP, you know, we could see more of that 50 or 60, 40 split here. Maybe they get to the red zone. They use McNichols. AP is not Henry, but he's going to provide Tennessee with a potential to not shift their offense dramatically. And if that is the case, we want to invest in this rushing offense, whether it's be McNichols or AP. Given AP's ability to ha handle larger workloads, I like him to get the head start in the backfield. But not knowing exactly what the coaches think, I'm not starting either of these guys in this matchup as the Titans are more than seven-point underdogs in L.A. on Sunday Night Football. So that's just my personal take for the guys. I, I got to see it first, kind of like the Tannehill take here. As we move on to the Los Angeles Rams side of the football, we know the cup is dominant and we know Woods is real nice and in and, and they're both in a nice spot. But because the wide receivers are in a nice spot against Tennessee, how confident are we in a potential of Van Jefferson here, Austin? I think he's had the most appeal that Van Jefferson has had all season long. Tennessee gives up the most points to fantasy wide receivers, and this is a pretty decent line. I know Derrick Henry is out. Tennessee, though, has been finding ways to win games in tough situations, and I think they're able to at least keep this game competitive, which means Van Jefferson will need to be utilized. 13 targets over the last two weeks with an 88% snap share. I'm out yarding Woods in both of those games. Do I like the start? No, not really. Um, but I don't think I'm ever going to really like starting a third wide receiver in, in almost any situation. Um but it's definitely a, a less desperate flex start should you need one of those this week. Van, Van's one of my, um, you know, crash the emergency glass, pull the ejection. If you have Julio and you're trying to pivot, yeah, they're in the same game. And so it's just one of those ones I, I was thinking of. If if you got Julio and you're trying to pivot to someone, I think Van Jefferson's a nice pivot. Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So because of Van Jefferson emerging, because of 
Cooper Cup's dominance. We've seen some real major volatility of Tyler Higby, and I think we might be seeing a situation where his chances of being the breakout tight end we wanted are kind of dead here. His volatility has been way frustrating, even for a tight end. He's the tight end 18 in points per game, and given Cup's dominance in the market share, what you know, what Austin just said about Van Jefferson and the offense, you know, recommitment to Woods over the last month as well. Higby can be dropped, in my opinion, and treated as a streamer from here on out. It's all going to be about matchups. Um, this is the week to cut your losses and potentially roll with a Conklin or a Fryermuth. Uh, Higby faces a Tennessee defense that has given up the sixth fewest points to tight end this season. And as far as the way this offense is so, you know, hitting its ceiling so much, that's because of Matt Stafford. Um, so I just wanted you to get an opportunity here, Johnny, to give Matt Stafford some love because we're seeing more ceiling than floor here with the guy. Yeah, Matthew Stafford has really been uh, performing well, especially in this offense, which we, you know, definitely thought was uh, a possibility considering what Sean McDay did with Jared Goff and what we had seen from uh, from him earlier in his career. Matthew Stafford never really having a true offensive coordinator that could really scheme for him and that's what he's getting right now and as a result uh he's been a stud muffin at the quarterback position he's only thrown for fewer than 300 yards in three games this season beautiful you love that especially if you get that 300 uh yard bonus in your league bonus for extra yardage and then he's had three straight games with three or more touchdowns i don't expect that to stop this weekend at all or Sunday night as you see this matchup ninth most fantasy points to the quarterback position this season that is Tennessee's defense giving up so you like Matthew Stafford again this week absolutely like him and you love our guy uh Daryl Henderson as well only finished outside the top 24 at the position one time this year and yeah. that's when he was the RB 30 this isn't a great matchup but Henderson is just a guy who's seven and a half point favorites like of course you're you're rocking with him and we're going to continue to rock through the show here as we talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football in a 40-point over-under with Pittsburgh favored by six and a half at home. Before we do, we want to urge you to hit subscribe over on our YouTube channel and help the brand grow to over 2,100 subs, continuing following us every single day for your fantasy football advice as we continue to roll through this regular season. We appreciate you guys. As we move through this game, we talk about the Chicago Bears, and I want to know, Johnny, can we get a little bit more Fields magic? We saw some last week. Are we just we're trying to come on, man? Give me that. I need. I need it. I know we need it, and it's fun to watch. And I hope it happens on Monday night because we'll be live streaming. So if you're wanting to watch with us, make sure you're tuning in. You're subscribed, like Big Travis said at the top. So you could watch this game with us. We'll be uh, jumping on there. We we have a good night on Monday night. So join that live stream. So I hope that Fields can continue this uh, nice little two-game surge that he's seen. But I'll be honest, fellas. I'll be honest with you and Whisper Nation. It really does not look good. It is not looking good. And if it does happen, then we really do need to start moving fields back into that consideration. And maybe all those conspiracy theories about, uh, you know, what's going on with Nagy and tanking in the beginning of the season just to unleash fields later could actually be a reality. But this week, it if it's a test, it's a test boys, Pittsburgh giving up the fewest rushing yards on the season to quarterbacks. They've given up just 77 on the season to quarterbacks, mm. not going well for a quarterback that gets a lot of points from his legs. And not only that, but then when you're talking about just the quarterback position, Pittsburgh 
bottom 10 boys in points allowed to the quarterback position. So I am not chasing the points this week with fields. I'm leaving him on my bench if I have him. But I'll tell you what, if he outperforms this defense and plays well on Monday night, we'll be talking best believe on Tuesday and waivers how fields could be that guy that carries you down the stretch. But I'm not yeah. going that far yet. Not going that far yet. Would Don't be would be a very nice stash right now if you can afford the bench spot just to see if it can happen against the tough matchup. It hasn't been able to happen just yep. yet for our guy, Justin Fields. And so does that mean we're down if we're if the, the idea is to fade our guy Fields? Are we also going to be fading Darnell Mooney? And I, I know it's a weird world we live in where Darnell Mooney is the guy we're talking about. And Alan Robinson is the afterthought, Austin. But that's kind of where we're at here. Yeah, that's just where we're at. If you're asking which wide receiver of these two guys to start, I'm going with Darnell Mooney. He leads the team in targets, catches and yards. Looks to be Justin Fields' favorite target. But Fields has averaged only 107 passing yards, 170, excuse me, passing yards per game in the last five weeks. You would need Darnell Mooney to get like 60% of those yards or snag a couple of touchdowns or to see Justin Fields do something he just hasn't ever done in his career yet for Darnell Mooney to actually have a decent fantasy day. All of those variables are possible, but I think they're all unlikely. I don't hate stashing Mooney and he's the only pass catcher I'd even consider flexing but I'm not, I'm not racing to do either one of those. Yeah, I would uh, agree with you there. This is the tough, tough spot to get in here, but I think we have something here in Khalil Herbert, and it's been a month now since David Montgomery went down, although he has been activated. The plan is to even activate him and get him some work in the Monday night game. But in the four games since, Khalil Herbert has been a revelation. 21 touches per game. That's fifth among running backs ahead of Zeke, Jonathan Taylor, and Aaron Jones. So they've given him the ball. They've continued to give him the ball. He remains matchup independent given that type of workflow and what we saw with him against Tampa Bay was just enough for me to say he even in tough matchups this guy can get it done I know they're saying they want to give Monty some work I don't know why they would give him a ton of work before the bye it feels like a five touch game for Monty if that's their plan so that's why I would still roll with Herbert here it's not a great matchup but I continue to roll Herbert into our lineup here moving on to the Pittsburgh side of the football we know it's the Deontay Johnson show for the offense the passing attack but can we count on Claypool this week at all, Austin? You know, last week I said I was horny for Claypool, and I ended up going home and had to take care of myself. Claypool <laughs> was third on the team in targets with five, despite a 97% snap share, which was the highest he's had of the year. The Bears this week are giving the fifth most amount of points to wide receivers. And with Claypool's hammy, though, looking near right, paired with his increasing snap percentage, I think big games are ahead. And I wish I had Claypool in more leagues and I'd be starting him anywhere I could, even though he did let me down last week. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to give it another shot this week. Yeah, it's tough for me to trust Claypool right now. I need to see more consistent uh, play out of him, but I understand playing him for the upside. I get it. He's my bromance. I understand who he is, um, but the offense scares me a little bit. It lacks big playability. Um, it lacks, you know, that plays perfectly for all the other guys outside of Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris. And now, Pat Fryermuth. The Steelers lost Juju Smith-Schuster for the season a few weeks ago. And in the two games on either side of Pittsburgh's bye, 
Uh, Fryermuth played on his most snaps of the season. He was targeted 14 times. He caught 11 balls and scored 12 PPR fantasy points in each of those games. He needs to be added and can be confidently started most weeks, including this one, as Ben seems to be more than okay playing this dink and dunk style of football with this offense, and he fits right into a juju-type role within that, does Fryermuth here. And he, you know, he's been comped in the, in the uh, locker room to Heath Miller, who obviously Ben Roethlisberger has an affinity towards. So that's what we're looking at there. And then Johnny, like we have nothing really to see here with Najee Harris. He is an RB one and he's continued to be an RB one kind of too big to fail at this point. Yeah, he's a stud. He's a top five running back at that. He has just been nonstop uh, dump dink and dunk. You get him the ball. He's going, he's going in your lineup. Uh, and it's not a, the greatest matchup uh, on paper for Najee, but it doesn't matter. You're still getting him in your lineup uh, because it's Najee and that's Pittsburgh Steelers. Let me ask you guys, uh, are you, are you playing Ben Roethlisberger in this game? If you need um, a straight, if you need to, no. if you need to stream, it? I think, I think I would go with Teddy Bridgewater before I went with Ben Roethlisberger at this point in, in fantasy right now. Would you? I'm not. Uh, I, I would. I would really need to take a look at it. I am so unexcited by Big Ben. His his floor has been low it's, most it's of his scary. career. Kind of, now it's so much lower. It uh, it's reminding me of like that Peyton Manning end of career kind of situation where mm. he's smart, he's comfortable on the team, mm. coach loves him, but it's like, do you really want this guy throwing the ball in the Super Bowl? Mm-mm. Nope. It's well, if you can lean yeah, on the defense, uh, take definitely it, not yeah, good. Yeah, it's not looking good. I don't think I would it risk it there. He just doesn't have the ceiling he used to have. Baker, this would be a bigger question two years yeah. ago because you'd be like, oh, well, he could go for five touchdowns. That's not happening. Yeah, we're not right. even thinking that anymore, right? Yeah. What? Yeah, 100%. I, I get what you're saying there. It, what is interesting, though, like Chicago, Goff and, and Baker Mayfield, they both scored 18 against the Chicago Bears defense. Then you had Rodgers, Jimmy, Jimmy G, Stafford, Brady, all scored over 27. But like you said, that floor just seems so non-existent for Big Ben that I don't know if I would be willing to risk it uh, in order to play him. Chicago's not uh, a team that can challenge. Team. I don't think Chicago's a team that's going to be able to challenge Pittsburgh either on the de- like their defense, in my opinion. Uh, that's why mm-hmm. they're heavy underdogs. So you don't see it being competitive enough for him to even just be dink and dunk touchdowns, uh, enough of those to get you over the hump either. So that's just there's just no ceiling there for me. All right, well, Whisper Nation, that does it for us. And this part two of the weekly matchup show, make sure you get part one by subscribing anywhere you get your podcast. And if you have any further lineup questions, make sure you're subscribed over on YouTube. Sunday morning, we go live an hour and a half before kickoff. You can also check the fantasywhispers.com for our weekly rankings. If you're still stuck on anything you need there for Johnny game time, Hicks and Austin Sear, I am big Travi and we are the fancy whispers. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Congratulations on making it to the end of the video. If you still have a lot to say about fantasy football, maybe you want to give Johnny a little bit of crap for his take today, then go on over to our Discord channel and join the conversation there. Click the link in the description below. And if you still want more content, check out one of these videos. Homie, don't you hear the whispers?